And, and as Tomorrow mentioned yesterday, we had a really good time at our outreach. And I love how we put our mission statement together. That's Oh, it's not on the screen. I thought it was on the screen. Our mission statement that's on the screen, we're united by truth, developed in relationships to reach the world around us. And we've been fulfilling that mission for the past year. Uh, next month will make one year uh, since tomorrow and I have become pastors of New Life Church. And for the past year, we've really just been throwing seed. And I, we've just been throwing seed in the community. Uh, there's throwing seed in prayers and worship. And I believe that this second year that's upcoming, that we're going to start receiving, reaping a harvest from the seed that we've been planting in this church. Amen? And I'm excited about what the Lord is doing. And when I think about all exciting things what the Lord is doing, I always think about this. There's always a beginning to something, a middle to something, and an end to something. And usually at the beginning, you get all excited and all, ooh, wee, I can't wait to with, with the, the, the vacation. If you have a big vacation that you're looking for, you're excited about the vacation, the planning of the vacation. Or if it's the first day of school, you're like, ooh, I'm going to lay out my outfit and I know what I'm going to wear and I wonder who's my teachers and my lockers and all this. When there's a first or something new, it's always exciting. Well, there was this one time, it was a few years ago, where I was sitting in a room with a room full of pastors. And we were all talking, and we were trying to decide, what are we going to do as like a team bonding experience? And everybody was throwing around ideas. We should just go deep sea fishing. Let's do that. And everybody was like, yeah, let's do that. But I was like, but let's do, we need something a little bit more adventurous than that. And let's go go-kart racing. And it was all types of ideas that people were throwing out there. But then finally someone came up with an idea, hey, why don't we all do a Tough mutter? And some of us, like, what, well, what is a tough mutter? Pretty much think of it this way. It's an adult obstacle course in nothing but mud. That's the best way to explain it. And it takes several hours to complete. It takes several hours to complete. And I'm telling you, we were sitting in that room, and everybody was talking about it, and I found myself getting super excited about it. I said, boy, I'm like, ooh, the tough mother, we're going to be, this, this is just a man's, manly, manly thing. We're going to be in the mud, playing in the mud, running in the, man, this is going to be awesome. And it was in New Orleans, and I remember leading up to it, we were just asking each other, so you going to train for this? Like, nah, man, I'm going to just go out there and go have fun. We're just going to have fun. I'm like, but looking at online and some of the, the, the obstacles that they have, man, we have to climb over, like, 12-foot walls. Like, that's a lot of physical activity. I think we might need to train for this. And they're like, nah, man, we're just going to go out there. We're just going to have fun. And a few guys, they actually did train for it. And they did really well. And for myself and the majority of the other pastors, we did not train for it at all. And luckily for us, one guy that did it with us, he decided that he was going to wear a GoPro cam. So he filmed the entire thing. And if tomorrow, if you can, can you just play the first video? This is a little snippet of what we were doing in the Tough Mudder. getting on video. <laughs> oh, I got it. We crabbing, baby. We crabbing. <laughs> so you could tell he was breathing heavy. And it literally took us about two and a half hours to complete this whole thing. Now, tomorrow, I want you to show the second picture. That's me 
halfway through the thing thinking, what in the world have I gotten myself into? I was tired. I was exhausted. I got the, my Achilles, the back of my ankles. They were like the one, the, the literal first event that we had to do. There were these trenches, and over the top of the trenches were barbed wire. So you had to crawl under the barbed wire and get up. But me being so excited, I forgot the barbed wire was there, and I just dove on in and hit the back of my ankles on the barbed wire. So my ankles are burning. I'm, I'm waist deep in mud, and the mud is so thick that you have to have two, three guys to help pull you out. And can you show the third picture? That's the finish. I was like, thank God it is over. I got my headband. I was like, it is over. Thank the Lord I'm on the other side. Because the whole way through, that second picture that we showed, I was just thinking, man, I can't wait to get to the other side. And that's what I want to talk to you today about. If you take a note, you can write this down. How to get to the other side. How to get to the other side. Because when I was at, I told you at the beginning, boy, we were all excited. Boy, this Tough mutter is going to be fun. Then I got in the middle of it, and I was like, what in the world have I gotten myself into? And at that point, I was just trying to figure out, how am I going to get to the other side? And, you know, there are certain things in life that we walk through that we have to figure out. You're at probably maybe in some of those situations right now where you're just saying, man, I'm just trying to get to the other side. I just want to get to the other side. And there are certain things in God that we walk through that you can get to the other side, but there are several ways you can get to the other side. You could get to the other side jacked up, defeated, broken, full of regret, but you made it. You're to the other side. But there's another way that you can get to the other side where you're full of joy, where you're full of peace, where you say, I know I'm exactly where God wants me to be because I got to the other side and I follow God's will. I'm in the middle of God's will. But sometimes you can go through things and you get to the other side and you're like, I'm still miserable. I went through all this, and I'm still empty. I went through all this, and I'm still full of regret. I went through all this, and I'm still unsatisfied. Today, I want to help you get to the other side, but get to the other side of what you're walking through in a way that when you get there, you say, I can glorify God and praise God. I know I walked through that, but I enjoyed my time on the, in the middle trying to get to the other side. Amen? Because there is an other side to everything that you walk through. It's up to you to determine how you get there. Will you get there in the place where you're like, I'm excited about what I walked through? Was it easy? No. But I know that God was with me. I'm exactly where God wants me to be, and I'm on the other side. Or there's a place where you can get to the other side, and you're like, I walked through all that. For what? I'm still defeated. I'm still depressed. I'm still lonely. I'm still, and there's all these things, these emotions that we can feel if we don't properly get to the other side in the right way. I want to help you get to the other side in the right way. So Proverbs chapter 14, verse 12. Proverbs uh, chapter 14, verse 12. There is a path before each person that seems right, but it ends in death. There is a path before each person that seems right, but it ends in death. You know, when you're trying to get to the other side, you're walking down a path. There's a path set before you that you're walking down that path and you say, this is the right path. And then it says, but it ends in death. How many times have you been walking down a path and you just, oh, I know this is it. And then you get to the end of that path and you realize, well, that wasn't it at all. I missed the mark. I want to help you hit the mark today, amen, and get into the other side. So let's just take a moment. Let's just pray. Let's invite the presence of God here with us even more, and we're going to get into it. 
Holy Spirit, we thank you for today. I thank you for the word that's going forth, that you open up our hearts about the enemy that will try to come in with any hindrances or distractions. Open up our hearts to receive that we can hear you properly today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I want to give you today three things to help you get to the other side. Three things to help you get to the other side. There are certain things in life that we walk through that we have to realize, hey, I need to walk through these things to get to the other side. The first thing we need to realize when we're trying to get to the other side and get to not just get to the other side, but get it to it in a way where we're exactly where God wants us to be. This is the first thing you need to know. You need to write this down. We need to know it's wisdom versus faith. Wisdom versus faith. That's the first thing. In order to get to the other side, you need to know wisdom versus faith. And what do I mean by that? Wisdom is for things you can control. Faith is for things that are out of your control. Wisdom is for things you can control. Faith is for things that are out of your control. Proverbs 4.11 says, I will teach you wisdom's way and lead you in straight paths. I will lead you, I will teach you wisdom's way and lead you in straight paths. Proverbs 19, verse 8, it reads, To acquire wisdom is to love yourself. People who cherish understanding will prosper. To acquire wisdom is to love yourself. People who cherish understanding will prosper. We need wisdom. Wisdom versus faith. When we're trying to get to the other side, we have to ask ourselves, in this particular situation, do I need wisdom or do I need faith? And the majority of the time, we actually need more wisdom than we do faith. Because there's a lot more things that are in our control than are, than are out of our control. When we have to make everyday practical decisions, that doesn't require faith. That requires wisdom. And we have to become experts at distinguishing, do I need wisdom in this situation or do I need faith? And the majority of our decisions don't require faith. They require wisdom. The majority of our decisions, and I'm going to explain it to you in a little bit. A good indicator that you're making good decisions and you're getting to the other side in the way that God wants you to is because your practical decisions are based in wisdom and not faith. You know why? Because this is what we do. Sometimes we can prolong and not make practical decisions, and we can make them spiritual because we don't want to use the wisdom to make those decisions. We can begin to over-spiritualize things because we don't want to make it, we don't want to make the, use wisdom to make the practical decision that we know is the right decision to make. So sometimes we begin to over-spiritualize everything just so we don't have to use wisdom to make the practical decision that may not be what we want. So we'll say, you know what, I'm just going to pray about it a little bit longer. You know, God really hadn't put a, a piece of my spirit about this yet, so I'm just going to continue to seek the Lord and pray. No, no, no. You need to use wisdom in that decision. The Lord has spoken. You're just trying to over-spiritualize it so you don't have to make the practical decision. And sometimes we get in that place, boy, where we love to make practical decisions very spiritual. And when you always make a practice of making the practical spiritual, you find yourself in a dangerous plot. Because what you'll do is you'll find your place in a place of delusion, where you'll begin to be delusional about everything you do 
because everything is spiritual, but not everything is spiritual. God has given us wisdom to discern that things are in our control. I'm giving you wisdom. We just read those scriptures and Proverbs. Wisdom is what we need to live on the everyday earth because the wisdom is for what things that we can control. And we need to understand most of the time we don't need faith. We need wisdom. We need wisdom to make these decisions. Proverbs verse 4, verse 5. Chapter 4, verse 5. Get wisdom. Develop good judgment. Don't forget my words or turn away from them. What are his words? Get wisdom. What will wisdom do? It would help you develop good judgment. Don't forget my words or turn away from them. You know, there are certain areas of our life where we need wisdom in order to get to the other side. Some of you, I'm going to just break down two two, uh, areas in our lives that I guarantee you, one of the other, you fall in one of those. Some of you might fall in both. But these are the areas that I've realized over over the course of my life and and just being in the ministry that if people can make practical decisions in these two areas, you can get to the other side of what you're walking through and the way that you feel like, man, I did it. Man, I'm exactly where where God wants me to be. But if you get these two areas wrong, you can get to the other side, but you still always, oh, man, I got to walk through this again. I just walked through this. What else I have to walk through? And you always be regretful. You always be remorseful for the things that, well, God, you allowed me to walk through this. Yeah, but did you use wisdom? And these are the areas that we can use practical decisions. We need wisdom to make practical decisions. The first thing is this. It's in our relationships. It's our relationships. Proverbs 13, verse 20. Walk with the wise and become wise. Associate with fools and get in trouble. That's the NLT. Let me read it to you in the message translation. The message says says it this way. It says, become wise by walking with the wise. Hang out with fools and watch your life fall to pieces. That's good. I'm going to have to read that again. It says, become wise by walking with the wise. Hang out with fools and watch your life fall to pieces. That's what the message translation says. Hang out with fools and watch your life fall into pieces. You know, relationships... Making practical decisions in your relationships play a big part of who you are. Y'all heard that old saying, birds of a feather flock together. Well, it's true. The people that you associate with and you hang with, they can play a big factor into who you are and to get into the other side. There's two areas of relationships I want to focus on. The first is romantic relationships. And I'm not, necessarily, and I'm not talking about married. I'm just talking about if you're single in a romantic relationship. You know the relationship isn't going anywhere, but you stay in it because God can use you to reach that person. If I'm not in their life, they won't see an example of God. I'm the only reason that they're going to church. They're drawing closer to God because of me. These are all ways that we use spiritual things when we should be using practical decisions. You need wisdom. Wisdom says you know this relationship isn't going anywhere, but you make it spiritual and say, oh, I need to be there because if I'm, they're in the word because of me. They're praying. No, no, no. They're not in the word because of you. You need to allow them to find the Lord on their own. But we stay in it and we begin to make decisions in our romantic relationships because we don't want to use wisdom. We want to make it spiritual. Romantic relationships that aren't healthy will mess with your emotions and give an open door for the enemy to wreak havoc in your life. And when you begin to make excuses for that person or your decision to stay in a relationship, you're making your decisions not based on wisdom or faith, 
but delusion because you keep ignoring wisdom. You know, when you continue to ignore wisdom, you step into a realm of delusion. You step into a realm of delusion because you keep ignoring wisdom. You ever ran into a person that you try to tell them the truth, and every time you tell them, this, no, I don't believe that. That's not it. And you're like, what in the world are you thinking? Is they're not thinking because they're, they're, they're delusional. That, that's the problem with being deceived is that you're deceived. And the reason that you're deceived is because you keep ignoring wisdom. But the moment that you apply wisdom and you put it into action, guess what? You gain good judgment, like we read in Proverbs. The moment you get wisdom, you gain good understanding or you gain good judgment so you can decipher and say, you know what? This is an area I need to make a practical decision. I need to use wisdom, and I need to cut it off. But the moment I, I run from wisdom and I just make everything spiritual, guess what? I find myself in a cycle of relationships over and over and over again. And I'm like, how I keep finding myself in these same situations? Because you didn't apply wisdom. When you apply wisdom, it opens the door for you to see things and gain good judgment so you can make healthy decisions. That's in romantic relationships. Also in personal relationships. These are the people that you hang out with and do life with. Stop hanging out with people that aren't pursuing God in the same way that you are. Because the question is, who's influencing who? You say, well, I'm there to influence them, or, or this is a good one. Jesus hung around with sinners. Yeah, but Jesus was the one influencing the sinners. They weren't influencing him. He was there hanging out with them so they can come follow him. He wasn't hanging out with them so he could follow them. But sometimes we can't cut away from old relationships we can't make that practical decision to use wisdom to break free from relationships that we know. Man, I know such and such. I know he's not following the Lord, but I've been friends with him since we were 12. And that can be difficult. It can even be family members where you're like, man, I've been cool with my cousin. This is my cousin. This is my brother. This It's like, yes, I'm not saying be mean to them. I'm not saying cut them off. But what I am saying is that if you find yourself in situations where they're influencing you more than, than you're influencing them, then you might want to reevaluate that relationship and say, maybe I need to apply some wisdom and establish some boundaries. Maybe I need to establish some boundaries in these relationships to make sure that I'm serious about seeking the Lord. I need people around me and to surround myself with people that are on the same trajectory that I am in pursuing the Lord. Because I don't know if you realize this, this walk is hard. You need people around you to encourage you. You need people that think like you, that believe like you. So when you walk through difficult times and you can come to them with advice, then they're not telling you something crazy. It's like, wait, where did that come from? It's because they're not pursuing the Lord. And then you find yourself all confused. You're like, man, I know I'm pursuing the Lord. I know I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. But, every, but, but the friends that you associate with, they have no spiritual guidance at all because they're pursuing the things of their flesh and of the world. And so it confuses you because your flesh says, well, that's what I want. But you need wisdom to make practical decisions to say, hey, is this relationship, whether it's romantic or not, is this producing life, like life in my life? Is this a life-giving relationship or do I need to cut it off because it's sapping me? You know, the enemy will use, we talked about it last week, the enemy will use people to distract you, but he also used people to sap the life out of you as well. And you have to begin to identify and use wisdom. Are these relationships I'm in, I'm in are they life-giving relationships? Another area, I'm going to read this verse and then we'll move on to the next thing. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 11. So encourage each other and build each other up, just as you already are doing. 
encourage each other and build each other up. Your relationships, you should you could look at all of your relationships and say this. This is how you measure your relationships. Are we building each other up? Are we encouraging each other? That's how you a good gauge. Or is this relationship tearing me down? Is this relationship making me sad? Is this relationship making me depressed? Romantic or not, how does those relationships make you feel? That's a good gauge. So encourage each other and build each other up just as you already are doing. You know, our mission statement is, our, I read it earlier, is uh, United in Truth, developing relationship to reach the world around us. This is a great room to begin to develop relationships to encourage you in the things of the Lord. When we were out there yesterday uh, at the snowball stand giving out lemonade as well, man, we were, what we were doing, we were serving together, but we were developing in relationship to reach the world around us. What is that? That's purpose. So our relationships have purpose. So, in, so it's just a natural flow of progression that because we're doing life together and we have purpose together, that our relationships are going to be life-giving. So we can have life-giving conversations. So when we come around each other, we're excited to see one another and we can be encouraged. What is this? This is what that verse is talking about. So encourage each other and build each other up. If you say, well, I don't have those relationships, this room is a great place to start. So that's the first thing we need wisdom to make practical decisions is our relationships. This is the second one and a big one, in our finances. Sometimes, some of you, you're just trying to get to the other side in your finances. It might not be relationships, but in your finances, you're like, man, if I could just get over this mold, this hill in my finances. What is this? You spend more than you make, but you're praying to God that he will bless you with more money just so you can spend more. That's what we do. God, can you please bless me with some more money because I need to spend more money. Amen. And that's what we pray for. And that's what we believe for. And there's nothing wrong with asking God for more money. We should all desire to have more money. But we have to ask ourselves, why do I need more money? Is it just to spend more on stuff that I don't really need? No, that's not why God wants to bless us. He wants to bless us, bless us so we can bless others, so that we can be a blessing to others. So when it comes to our finances, a big thing that we, this is what I feel like everybody should do, is you need to take inventory. Take inventory of what you already have. In some words, it could be a budget. Sometimes if you could just simply take inventory and take stock of what you already have, you'll realize that you're more blessed than you realize. When you just begin to put pen to paper of what you have and what you spend, you can really calculate and realize, you know what, I need to use wisdom in my finances. You know, there was several years ago, Tamara and I, we were trying, we said, you know what, I think we're ready to own a home. I think we should, we should start the process of um, purchasing a home. And so we're like, well, what's the first thing we do? Well, we know we need money. And we start looking at our finances. And we were both, this was before we were both in the ministry, before we were pastors. I, we both had really good jobs. And we were realizing, man, we're spending thousands of dollars just on eating out. Like, what in the world is going on? And so we began to take inventory of what we had. And we said, we need to start saving money. And that's what we did. We made a budget. We started saving money, and then we realized, man, we're more blessed than what we actually believe. But the thing was, because we didn't take inventory or we didn't use wisdom in our finances, when little things would pop up, we were like, oh, we don't have the money for it. When in actuality, we did have the money for it. We just weren't big stewards with what God has already given us. We weren't using wisdom with what God has already given us. So when little things would pop up, we were like, oh, what are we going to do? When in actuality, if we would have just budgeted, we would have had the money for it. 
So when we begin to take inventory of what God has blessed us with, man, we started, I remember one week, we saved like $1,500 in one week. It's like, how do you do that? Because we took inventory. We used wisdom. And some of you would say, well, and we would just say, boy, the devil sure doesn't want us to have a house. No, it wasn't the devil. It was us. We were sabotaging ourselves. So sometimes we love to blame the devil for everything, but if we would apply wisdom and say, what part do I have in this? Where have I not applied wisdom in my finances? Then I promise you, sometimes it would give you an answer. You say, you know what? I just need to be a greater steward of the resources that God has already given me. When you begin to take inventory of your finances or even make a budget, I'm telling you, you'll realize that you have more and you bless more than what you think you are. Proverbs 24, 14, in the same way, wisdom is sweet to your soul. If you find it, you will have a bright future and your hopes will not be cut short. That's a good verse right there. In the same way, wisdom is sweet to your soul. If you find it, you will have a bright future and your hopes will not be cut short. Sometimes our hopes feel like they're cut short because we don't use wisdom. The more you make a practice of using wisdom, it's sweet to your soul. So everything around you, by definition or by fault, will be, be sweet as well. But when you stop applying wisdom and you don't use wisdom, you feel like you have no hope for your future because there's no wisdom being applied. The moment you tap into wisdom, the moment you put wisdom into everything that you do, I'm telling you, it will help you get to the other side of whatever it is that you're walking through and the way that you can rejoice and not be sad. Amen? That's the first thing. We, faith, I'm sorry, wisdom versus faith. Wisdom versus faith. The second thing is this. How do I get to the other side? It's spiritual authority. It's spiritual authority. Uh, Hebrews 13, 17. Obey your spiritual leaders and do what they say. Their work is to watch over your souls. They are accountable to God. Give them reason to do this with joy and not sorrow. That would certainly not be for your benefit. To get to the other side, there will be times where we will have to seek spiritual authority for wisdom and guidance. And this is the thing. When this thing, uh, spiritual authority, spiritual authority is not your friends. Some people think, well, I just need to consult with my friends to see what they think. Your friends are not your spiritual authority. Because your friends, most of the time, some of them will tell you the truth, but for most of the time, they'll just tell you what you want to hear. And we need to make sure this word spiritual authority is that, is this person trustworthy? Do they have a track record that I know that what the advice and the guidance that they give me is biblically sound and from the Lord? That I could trust the counsel that they give me. And as my years as a pastor, there's been several times where tomorrow night, if you come to us at guidance, we will never tell you what to do. I don't believe you tell people what to do because I feel like that's a recipe for disaster. If I tell you what to do and you do it and it doesn't work out that way, then you're blaming me. So I'll never tell you what to do. I'll just give you a guide and I'll just go back and we could talk through situations, but I'll never force you and tell you what to do. But a lot of times people, they run from a spiritual authority because they don't want to be held accountable. It's like they don't seek spiritual authority. It's like, I know I need to talk to someone, but I don't want to talk to the pastor. Or I don't want to talk to the elders or the leaders of the church because, man, it's just I don't know if they for me. So we do things like we'll test them. Well, let me just give them a question to see if they're on my side or not. Let me, let me just test them and, get, and see if they're on my side or not. And what are some reasons that people run from or ignore spiritual authority? It's because they want to hide from the truth. They want to hide from the truth. What does this mean? Instead of facing spiritual authority with the decisions that they've made, they would rather hide in secrecy than face authority. There was a time where there was this guy, 
he came to me and he said, hey, I'm dating this girl. Uh, I really don't know what I should do because I, I think there's a future there, but I'm really not sure. I'm very uncertain about our future. And I was like, okay, well, I'm not telling you what to do. But I was like, but if it were me, what I would do is I would just kind of step back and just reevaluate the relationship. I wouldn't put any more fire on it. I would just kind of cool things off. I, I wouldn't break up with or anything, but I would slow things down until you can get a piece and, and some better understanding of where you want the relationship to go. And that's what I would do. I was like, I, I, I would just take some time back and just kind of reevaluate things. Well, after that conversation, he stopped coming around. And a few months later, I found out they got engaged. And they ended up getting married. And about a year or two years later, they got divorced. For the same issues that he had with her, he went along and plowed through, and he didn't want to follow the advice of the guidance that I gave him. Now, I didn't tell him what to do. I didn't say he had to do it or not. I said, that's what I would do. But I, always, I told him, but the decision is yours. And when he didn't hear back what he wanted to hear, he stopped coming around. And he didn't even want to let me know that they were engaged. But it comes to find out, and I'm not saying this to say that I, I was right, and that's not the point. The point is sometimes we can hide from spiritual authority because we don't want them to see the decision. We don't want to face them for the decision that we've already made. We would rather hide than to walk to them and say, you, I know you're right, but I, you're going to tell me that. No, I'm not going to tell you that. That's not my place. My place is to give you guidance and, and, and advice based on, on the word of God. But sometimes we will run because we don't want to uh, face the truth. Another reason that we run from spiritual authority, ignore it is, is because God told me. What is that? You say, God told me this. Or God, or God already spoke to me about this and told me this. So immediately when you say God told me this, what you're doing is you're devaluing the opinion and the, the thoughts of the spiritual authority. Because the moment you say God told me, you, you already know that. Well, if God told me this, how can you come up against God? Well, God already spoke. And boy, we'll get a quick, oh, God told me this. God told me that. And usually it's like, okay, well, if that's the way you feel, then God bless you. Because what, how can I come against what God spoke to you? But most of the time, God didn't speak to you at all. You just want to do what you want to do. And boy, we, boy, when people, boy, God, it would happen a lot when we were in the youth group. God told me this was my spouse. You don't even have a job. How is that your spouse? Oh, but God told me this. No, that's your emotions talking. And we have to make sure that we're not in this situation where it's a God told me. Another reason that we run from spiritual authority is we try to prove them wrong. We try to prove them wrong. You know, we don't like the word no. How many of you like the word no? Just raise your hands. Nobody. As soon as you hear a no, the first thing that rises up inside of you, well, why not? Well, why can't I do it? And you begin to question because why? You don't like the word no. And so sometimes when spiritual authority, you ask them something and it's a no, then you go say, well, I'm going to prove you wrong. Well, I'm going to show you. I'm going to show you that I can do it. I'm going to show you that this can work. I'm gonna, and okay, we'll just go right ahead. And that was a situation where I feel like tomorrow and I were tested in this. Uh, there were, we were uh, pastoring a campus, and our pastor, Pastor Jonathan, one of our overseers, he came to us, and like the place that we were renting the facility from, I think I may have told you all this story before, they made it difficult for us to be there. Like, they did everything in their power to, like, Pharaoh on us to make it difficult. And it was just to the point where we were just like, you know what, it's probably better if we just go ahead and transition to do something else. 
And our pastor, he was like, hey, this is what we're thinking. We're thinking about transitioning the campus and, and just combining it with another campus. But if y'all want to keep going and keep moving forward, we can still do it. And I felt like it was a test to say that, oh, there's something that could like, oh, we could do this. We, let's just prove that we could do it. But we said, no, we're not going to do that. Let's, if that's what you feel is best, that's what we're going to do. And I feel like looking back now, that was the best decision that we could ever make. And I feel like that was a test to spiritual authority to see that if there was an attitude or a spirit inside of us that said, no, I'm going to prove you wrong. Some of us, we just, you know, the world will tell you, just prove everybody wrong. Michael Jordan, he had him a long list of people that he was like, I'm going to prove you wrong. And, it, and it's like, well, that was a great competitor. Yeah, but that's also a bitter person, too. <laughs> that, that was like, I, I, it was like, I applaud him for his, com- his competitive nature, but at the same time, I'm sad for him that he has all this bitterness and hurt in his heart that he's holding on to, that he can recount stories after story of people of people that told him he couldn't do it, and I'm going to prove him wrong, and I put him on my list. That's what he said, and, they were, and I put it on my list. That's sad. <laughs> That's sad to hold a list of people that I'm going to prove this people wrong. Pe- the crazy part is people don't even care what you do but you're still out there trying to prove them wrong. It's like they don't even care what you're doing. They're not even thinking about you. Oh, but I'm going to prove them wrong. No, let's get out of that. (laughs) Amen. Quit trying to prove people wrong and just walk in the authority that God has placed over you. Amen. This is the third thing. How do we get to the other side? And this is a big one. Third and final thing is obedience. It's obedience. Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 33. Walk in obedience to all that the Lord your God has commanded you, so that you may live and prosper and prolong your days in the land that you will possess. Stay on the path. I'll read it again. Walk in obedience to all that the Lord your God has commanded you, so that you may live and prosper and prolong your days in the land that you will possess. Walk in obedience. Obedience is a big key to getting to the other side. To me, this is the biggest key to getting to the other side is walking to obedience in what God has already spoken to you. A question I ask myself constantly is this. Am I being obedient to what God has already spoken or am I trying to change it while I'm trying to get to the other side? You know, God can speak something to you and you can start being obedient to that, but then you get in the middle of it and then you realize that you're trying to change what God already spoke. And you have, I have to constantly ask myself, am I walking in obedience to what God has already spoken to me? Because sometimes God can speak something to you, and you can walk in obedience to it, and then you realize, man, this is hard. I don't want to do this anymore. I want to go back. But obedience is something that is a practice. It's something that you have to practice walking in. Obedience is not just something that you normally just say, oh, I walk in obedience. No, because your flesh has an agenda, too. So you constantly have to ask yourself, am I walking to, in obedience to what God has already spoken? Obedience is something you constantly have to check. God's word doesn't change no matter how much we we don't agree with it. His word doesn't change. But we want God's word to change sometimes. So we become disobedient. Obedience will keep you from walking through things that were never intended for you to walk through. How many times growing up did your mom or your dad tell you, hey, don't do this because if you do this, X, Y, and Z would happen. And they, you would hear that all day long. And then don't run on the concrete. You can scrape your knee. You can fall. And what happens? You run out there. You scrape your knee. And then you're looking at it and they look, I told you, you don't listen. You hard-headed. 
and they tell you all these things, what is that? Because if you would have just walked in obedience, you wouldn't have the scars. And some of the things that we walked through, we were, ne- were never intended for us to walk through. We walked through them because of our disobedience. I can look back at my life, and a lot of things that I walked through, I walked through solely because I was disobedient. And those were scars that I have on my body that, should ne- that would never be there. But a lot of scars that we have are scars that we have because of disobedience. God, obedience is there for our protection. There's a lot of things that you walk through that you do not have to walk through if you would just be obedient. Obedience. Obedience is there for your protection. You know, we have two overseers, uh, Pastor Jonathan and Pastor Wayne, and we were talking to Pastor Wayne. Uh, this was several months ago, and he was talking to Tamara and I, and he was like, you know, I, I was just thinking about this, and he was like, now I just want to make a suggestion. I'm not telling y'all what to do. You don't have to do it or not. I just want to make a suggestion. And he gave us the suggestion. And we said, well, we're going to do it. And we immediately, we did it. We put it into practice. And immediately, we have seen the fruit of that uh, thing that he told us to do. And that was a situation where he wasn't telling us what to do. He wasn't forcing us what to do. But because it was our spiritual authority and he made a suggestion, we said, you know what? Let's just walk in obedience to what he said or what he suggested. And because of that, there's protection, and there's also fruit in what we've seen in that. So a lot of times, God is saying, I want you to be obedient to this because there's protection, and there's going to be life-giving fruit involved in it. That's why I want you to walk in obedience to what I have for you. We can look back to Abraham. God uh, promised him a son. He didn't tell him when, but he said, I'll promise you a son, and I will give you the, uh, the nations as your inheritance. So instead of waiting for Isaac, he went out and birthed Ishmael. Why? Because he, got, he, didn't, he didn't stay patient and he didn't stay obedient to what God has spoke to him. So he said, well, God promised me, but he didn't do it, so I guess I need to go do it on my own. Just be obedient to what the word that God has already spoke to you. When I walk in obedience, it also keeps my mind stable. I don't have to guess if I'm supposed to be at New Life. I know I'm supposed to be here because God told me to be here. You know, when you walk out of disobedience, your mind gets to trembling. Your mind gets to turning, and you start to think all types of stuff in your mind. Man, I don't know if this is right. I don't know if I should be doing this. I don't know if I should take that job. I, why? Because you're walking out of obedience. But when you're obedient, there's a peace that comes in your mind. When I know I'm in the will of God and I'm doing exactly what God wants me to be, my mind is stable. But with the moment I walk out of disobedience and, I, and I'm not obedient to what God, boy, my mind starts playing tricks on me. And I start thinking all types of crazy stuff. Like, and, all, and it's like, why am I thinking crazy? Why? Because I'm disobedient. That's an open opportunity for the enemy to come in and flood my mind with all types of thoughts because I put myself in a position where I'm not being obedient to the word that God has spoken. If you want to get to the other side in a way that you're pleasing to God and you're doing what God wants you to do, be obedient to what he's spoken. Be obedient because there's a peace that comes with it. There's a peace that comes with your decision when you know you're doing exactly what it is that God wants you to do. But the moment you step and you start being disobedient and doing your own thing, just expect attacks from the enemy to come in your mind. He'll talk you out of everything that you're doing. You could be on the right track, but the moment you step a little bit out of disobedience, here he comes. You know, I don't think your family really likes you. I don't, I don't think your friends, you know that church you're going to? They don't care about you. But I, I know God has me here for a purpose and a reason. I don't know about that. You really think that? 
bam, in your mind. One thing, you walk in obedience. I'm, I know I'm doing what God, yes, yeah, stay there. The moment you get out of it, the enemy floods your thoughts. We have to make sure that if I want to get to the other side, am I using wisdom in moments where I'm using, where, I'm sorry, if I'm using faith where I should be using wisdom? Am I being uh, a good steward? Am I being a good steward over my relationships, over my finances? Am I using wisdom in those areas? If, if I go to spiritual authority, am I using their advice and their counsel? Am I seeking that? And am I being obedient to what God has already spoken? Because if you do those three things, I promise you, you will live a life that's fulfilled. You will live a life full of purpose. And you will love a life, live a life full of peace. If you want a life full of peace, do these three things, I promise you. Gain wisdom, y'all. Wisdom is what we need. Wisdom is the key to all this because wisdom will say, you know what? You, you're getting off. You need to get back in obedience. It'll help you distinguish when you get off the more wisdom you gain. Amen? Amen. Come on, y'all give the Lord a hand clap of praise. I'm finished. How to get to the other side. How to get to the other side. Man, I just want to pray for you in this moment. Uh, Lord, I just want to pray for any person here today that you're in the middle of the of the, of the valley right now and you're in a place where you're trying to get to the other side and there's a lot of decisions that you're faced with and you just want to make it there and do what God wants you to do. That's the people I want to pray for right now in this moment. If you feel like you're in the middle of something and you need God's wisdom, you need wisdom instead and not faith. You know, wisdom is for things you can't control. Faith is for things you can't. Yes, we all need faith, but we also need wisdom as well. If you need wisdom, with any decision that you're facing, or you say, man, I need to be in a place of obedience. I'm, I'm not being obedient to what God has called me to do. I want to get back on obedience. I just want to pray for you. If you fall in any one of those categories, just lift your hands. I want to pray for you. Holy Spirit, I just thank you right now for each and every person with their hand raised. I thank you right now, Lord God, that wisdom flows from heaven. And I pray that the word says that wisdom shouts in the streets. And I just pray that we open up our hearts to receive your wisdom that falls from heaven. I thank you, Lord God, as we read the scriptures, as we read your word, that you begin to speak words of life, that you will speak wisdom over our situations, that we could use wisdom and apply wisdom in our decisions, in our relationships, in our finances, in every area of our life, that we're applying wisdom where wisdom is needed. And I thank you that you've given us the strength to carry out and to walk into obedience the things that you've already spoken. And when we make this decisions based in wisdom, that we would steadfast and stay steadfast in that decision and not waver back. I thank you right now for your hand of protection, your hand of provision, and your hand of blessing over each and every person here today. We love you, Lord. We thank you for it right now. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. Come on, y'all give the Lord another hand clap of praise. And there's one last thing I want to do. You could bow your head and close your eyes again, and I just want to give one final invitation. That's for anyone that you find yourself out of a relationship with the Lord. We're talking about walking in obedience, but you're like, man, I'm, I'm walking outside of a relationship with the Lord or y'all. I'm not being obedient to anything that he speak. But if you want to come into right relationship with the Lord and have a relationship with him, I just want to give an invitation for you. If you're in here in this room today and you say, I want to give my life to the Lord, I want to surrender to him, just lift your hand. Amen. Amen. I'm just asking everyone just to place their hand over their heart and everyone just to repeat this after me. Say, Holy Spirit, I come to you repenting of all of my sin. And I thank you right now that you're coming into my heart. And I promise 
that I will serve you all the days of my life. Give me the strength and the wisdom and the faith to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, y'all give it up one time for those that made that decision to follow Christ. And if you made that decision, in the seat back in front of you, there's a card that says I made a decision. Fill that out. Uh, drop it in the bucket on the way out during offering. Uh, we love to connect with you and pray with you again. But, man, that was the message, how to get to the other side, how to get to the other side. And I believe that God wants all of you to get to the other side. You do those things, I promise you won't be disappointed. Amen? Amen. Amen. Well, it is offering time. In the